Hello again, everybody. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. I am your host, Felipe, and over there, it's Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this morning? We're good, guys. We're good. Happy to be back. Happy Father's Day to you, Felipe. Austin, me and you, we're just, uh, we, we don't get anything today. Happy no, day. Happy, happy day. day. We are alive. <laughs> you, guys have, you guys have fathers, right? I assume you guys have fathers. Yes, yes, we do. Well, I know Austin does. I, for sure, I know Austin does. I, I listened to him talk the other day. Um, I wonder, man, I feel like it was just yesterday, but no, that was like a, a while back ago, like earlier in the season, right? Awesome. When you had your dad on your own podcast yeah, on the yep, show. earlier in the that. season, it was, uh, I believe it was before the season started. I had my dad on, uh, on round trippers and, uh, yeah, we talked we spent an hour and a half talking about little league. Uh, it was, it's a good episode so far. It's my most popular episode yet. And as every time I see my father, uh, mm-hmm. he never, he always asks, what's the views at now? I'm like, it's been like a month. It's not going to go up a whole lot anymore. He's like, I just don't want to know. I'm like, You're <laughs> he's going to start taking uh, uh, courses with Gary Vaynerchuk about how. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's all about the process, you guys. That's the thing. It's all about the process. I'm all about the process. The process. <laughs> process. Like he, so, he talks so much about the process. You think he works with the 76ers, the fellow oh. 76ers. <laughs> well, we are here to talk some baseball. And. I guess this is not going to be too much of a numerifics uh, show as uh, we're kind of taking a break. It is Father's Day, so I figured, well, let's do something nice and easy. And we begin with the Tommy Pham incident, because this is getting, I don't know, man. Every time you think that the story's dead, it keeps popping up. I mean, there's stories. I am just did, did a hey. Google search, and there's stories from like two or three days ago that are still coming in. What's up? Uh, to- Tommy Pham has to keep himself relevant somehow. <laughs> Playing in Cincinnati, he's having a pretty good season, though. Uh, so, but yeah, but it's Cincinnati. He should in that ballpark. He should be Babe Ruth. <laughs> no, I mean he's thirty four years old. What do you expect from a thirty four year old? I mean, this is his last legs. He's, I mean, he talked about. It. I'm here to pad my stats so I can get that big contract. I like players who are honest. That's why I always have a soft heart for Jay Cutler, the former Bears quarterback, not the not the bodybuilder, because that guy, uh, ugh, bodybuilders. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> that was a way for that to go. I'm sorry, awesome. What was that? Awesome. Weights, exercise. Oh. It's not even. Oh, it's not even about exercise or fitness. It's just about. I know. Yeah, the glamour. This is the equivalent of of. Uh, I better. It's a beauty pageant for guys. Yeah. It's really yeah. what it is. I, I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but without the talent portion of it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would like to hear. Maybe I would like to hear Jay Collar talk about. Uh, why South Carolina has maps and the other parts of the world don't have maps or something like that. But (laughs) anyway, so, uh, so yeah, as you guys know, I started with a slap. Well, actually, actually started way before that started with the dumbest fantasy sport out there, which is fantasy football, (laughs) which you were just bragging about winning before the show, as we see the banner behind him for those that are watching on video fantasy Uh, football champion of the football life league, 2021, basically half-assed my way into having a, a, a dominant season. I did ha- I did go through a little slump there with, uh, with a couple of my players not playing up to par, but then we picked it up right back up for the playoffs, and there's your result right there. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it was a very satisfying season. It was like one of my favorite teams of all time, regardless of sport, but still, I, I do think that fantasy football is the dumbest of all sports. You know why? It brings the dumbest people in there. <laughs> I played in I've played in leagues where you can tell the guys don't the, 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 they don't play other fantasy sports but football so they kind of try to have this uh, uh, not so fraternity a, a frat yeah, yeah. <laughs> frat boy mentality to it. hey bro what are you doing why are you picking up players off waiver wire 
Because I can. Because I can. Because there's a little ad button right next to their face. (laughs) And ads everywhere, too, because they need to make their money. But still. But, yeah, so so no surprise that a fantasy football league would create the most – I don't know. How would you guys describe – I mean, I I know everybody has different takes on this. But for the most part, it's considered one of the dumbest things that people have experienced. And I'm looking at myself and I go, man, I could tell you've never played fantasy sports just because you say this is the dumbest thing ever. This is serious, you guys. You heard the, you heard fam. He said it was a big money league and Mike Trout sucks as a, as a commissioner and, and that there's something about injury reserves not being utilized correctly. I mean, uh, but but is 10 grand really that much for them? Hey, man, 10 grand is still 10 grand. I mean, <laughs> and you're talking about uh, players, right? You're talking about athletes who are super competitive to begin with. In a fantasy football league where it seems like there is no law and order, it seems like it's all chaotic. But I don't know. I don't know more. I don't know much more of that story. I mean, have they gone into more detail about what the hell happened in this league? Uh, just blurt it out if you have something to say about this. From what I understand, it sounds like Jock Peterson, he picked up a guy that was injured off the waiver wire and stashed him and then picked up another guy. I think if I, 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 if I understand the situation correctly, that's what happened. And Tommy fam got mad and said, you can't be stashing players on your IR. And so, but nobody ever did anything about it. So Jock Peterson just kept the players. Now I don't know who won the league, uh, whether that meant Jock Peterson, Alex won. Bregman, Alex Bregman. Won. Yeah. Alex. Yeah. They, they had him. They spoke so to him on even then it's not even like it made Jock Peterson win the championship. So what was, what's the, anyway. So I think that's what Tommy fam got mad at. And apparently he said when he pulled the move, he goes, if you don't, if uh, you don't undo the move, I'm going to slap the shit out of you next time I see you. And I don't think that was it. I think they said, I'm just going to slap the shit out of you when I see you. Cause it, it was based on text messages that Jack Peterson was sharing with the rest of yeah, the chat. Because, because then he sent the gif of the Padres last year when the season was still active of, they were all throwing like the medicine balls and the giants and giant or the giants and Dodgers, their guys caught it and they had the little logo on their chest. And then the Padres one who had thrown it up, the ball just crushed them. And um, I, Tommy Pham took that, I guess, seriously. He yeah, he took it personally. Well, <laughs> very, said, very personally. He said that 100 people came out to thank him. Players, coaches from the Padres. Yeah, I'm yeah, assuming. Oh, yeah you, you, you know the players that thanked him for it? Yeah. Um, me, myself, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I. I mean, because I, I don't know. I, I think there, I don't know if it's a hundred people, but I'm pretty sure there was like a handful of people. I mean, I, I feel, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't believe that everybody in this world hates Tommy fam. Yeah. He's a little bit eccentric. He's a little bit out there. I don't think everybody hates Tommy fam. Like everybody hates Chris Rock or whatever, but uh, I don't know. It's not a hundred, but maybe a handful of people think. And, and I don't think everybody hates Tommy fam. I think I there like are does now. I, well, I think he's just full of shit. I mean, I thought it's one of those like he wants to see how big and bad he is. Like, I'm going to go just slap a dude out here in left field. Like, what? Like Over like this? I don't know. And it's one of those attitudes I've never liked. I like Tommy Pham, but this is just like leaves a sour taste in my mouth about him. Well, like, and- this will be what I remember Tommy Pham for. And I've said this from the get go. If you are slapping people in left field over money in in a fantasy football league money that you put up in a fantasy football league. And it's like, we, the rules were established. It, it doesn't sound like that the rules were, you can't be stashing IR players or whatever. You can't be stashing players on your IR or whatever. 
Um, if, if you're slapping people over this much money and he was saying, he's like, I'm a big, I'm a high roller in casinos <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh-huh. If you're getting this upset over, over a fantasy football league, you have a problem like that. that no, I, don't, I disagree. It's not a fucking problem, right? It's, <laughs> I play in I play in free leagues. I play in money leagues. You see me react to people. Yeah, but to make you, would you trade. physically assault a man? It's the one thing I've not done yet. I, I've said it's it before. The one it's thing the one I've thing I've done. not done yet. It's, <laughs> it's on I, the bucket list before he dies. In my opinion, Tommy <laughs> has inspired me to slap a bitch about a fantasy sport. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, listen, guys, Like, I, you guys know how serious I take this crap. It's supposed to be fantasy. It's just a game to some people. It's not a big deal. But to me, this is the only way that I can still compete on a, on a day-to-day basis, right? It's the only way I can do it, right? Because I'm, I'm not going to join the league. I'm not going to join major league. I'm not even going to play minor league baseball. But I, I – and it keeps me – you know, the most important thing is it keeps me um, involved in the game somehow. It keeps me uh, paying attention to not just my favorite two teams here, the White Sox and the Cubs, but it also – uh, this is how I know about Tommy Pham is because I know his story. I, I'm not going to remember him as being the guy who slapped Jack Peterson uh, because I know his story. I know that yeah. he had eyesight problems in mm-hmm. St. Louis and he, and my favorite thing about him is that he admits that he goes on fan graphs on a daily basis. I've never heard any other baseball players say that about, about uh, what they do. Uh, I never even heard a baseball player say the words fan graphs, let alone admit that they go on the website on a daily well, basis. Well, who is the player this year that, um, <laughs> Well, there's Joey Votto. They wrote the story about Joey Votto about how it might be the end. And then Joey Votto retweeted it. But there was somebody else that mentioned a, a player that mentioned fan graphs this year. And I can't remember who it was. And that's going to bug me now. Uh, I mean, I, I, I take the, I take fantasy sports seriously too. Like, I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun and it's a good way to, you know, kill time and analyze oh, yeah. Yeah. stuff like that. But still like, I mean, I've been in, I, I will admit I've, I've been in fantasy sports for a couple of years now. I got in a, my first heated argument, I'd say this year, but <laughs> it's like, I'm not gonna, that's as far as it's going to go. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out and find the man and physically assault him where you had an argument. And that's well, it. what was it? The, the Kobe and the, the random person trying to dr- get him to drive to Hodunk place in Texas and fight him. What the hell? Yeah, no, no. There was like that was like when Kobe was still alive. He was still in the league, I believe. I would hope it was when he was (laughs) duking it out with the ghost of Kobe. But no, no. There, there was somebody that like came at Kobe on Twitter or like DMs, like something, and was like, (laughs) "Drive here and fight me." And uh, somebody it went viral. Some this was years ago. But uh, I just remember it was like this random guy, and Kobe actually like responded to it, and he was the guy who was like, "Come fight me, man!" <laughs> I'm just like, "What are we doing here?" Well, the reason it keeps being brought out is that Jock Peterson wore a T-shirt that says uh, "Stashing players on the IR isn't cheating," and he insists that all he was doing is following the rules. Tommy Pham says that the that the rules are not the way that he's interpret that Jock Peterson is interpreting them. Uh, so I, I so I, I'm still that's why I'm kind of holding out judgment. Maybe there is something to it. I, I have a feeling as to what happened, but I'm not entirely sure because the story is not out. So it's, to me, it's kind of moot to uh, put any more hypothesis on this. We're not going to hear the real story. We're not going to hear. No, the we're not. Rule. There's no, no way. <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, if it's a $10,000 league, I'm pretty sure they would have no problem uh, paying for a quality website like Fantrax or CBS <laughs> Sports. If they're doing this on ESPN. They, well, they are. They are. <laughs> I thought they... <laughs> 
See, I heard that, and then I heard something else. So for sure, it's on ESPN. Yeah, well, they had a Mike Trout mic'd up last Sunday when yeah, they were playing yeah. the Mets, and uh, they asked him about um, what what site they're running, and Trout said ESPN. And then he said, but I'm in other leagues. He said, uh, and he, it was the ESPN broadcast. And he actually caught himself because he was like, yeah, we're thinking of moving it, though, because and then he goes, wait, I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he even said, this is an ESPN broadcast. I can't say that. <laughs> yeah, he, he knows. He knows he's a company guy. That's why uh, people don't like my truck because he's a corporate guy. Right. And so um, no, it's uh, oh God, now I'm on the Fox News website trying to look for more stories about this. So I think I've. Uh, what do you call it? I think I jumped a shark already. Just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, but anyway, I, I just thought, like I said, I haven't slapped anyone, but I've done, I'm not going to say much worse, but I, I mean, I, I am very cringy when it comes to fantasy sports. So I, I, I sympathize a little bit with, just a little bit with Tommy Pham. And I feel like there's a, a full story out there that we haven't heard. And he keep and the way I see it, he keeps getting poked. He keeps getting uh, uh, what do you call it? Probed by. Well, by I think it's just because he's so pokeable. I mean, no, I mean every, every everyone at this point they know it's gonna rile him up, and I, at that point I think it's just like a mind game. They're they're just trying to mess with him. With this season, with this situation, he has what I would what we called when I played when I played uh, sports baseball specifically. Um, when when I played, we he has what we used to call rabbit ears. <laughs> um, he, he like some you know, umpires yeah his ears are perked up and anytime somebody says something about him he goes what you know and he like he turns his head and goes what did you say and then you know every little thing that's said about him bothers him right now so yeah he's pokeable and so yeah they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna poke him because they want the story and it's not about the baseball anymore it's about you slap jock peterson and you're now the MLB's Will Smith. So. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I, I, uh, I need a picture of Jock Peterson and Will Smith just like together now. We need a mashup. We need uh we need um uh we need Tommy Fan slapping Chris Rock. <laughs> All right, so here's some deadspin. Uh in the run up to the fam issuing the promise he delivered upon the slap to Jock Peterson, the Reds player alleges Peterson's action uh, of stashing a player in the IR, I guess. I don't know. Led to anarchy in the league with team managers following suit and crossing uncrossable lines. I mean, guys, this is, I mean, this is something like I would bitch about. And I've done it. I've done it, especially in fantasy football. Because, again, it's the worst of the fucking fantasy sports. And I go, hey, commissioner, are you going to do anything about this? Well, we don't really have rules about this. And you know what they call that, Sean? They call that poor commissioning, all right? You know how I commission my league, Sean? Like this, with a freaking iron fist. <laughs> but, hey, if you don't have the rules in place, you can't change the rules in the middle of the year. No, 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 for sure, for sure, yeah. But here's yeah. the thing. What Go is ahead. the definition of stashing players on the IR? Yeah, I'm like, on, well, if on. you pick them up and put them on your IR and they're on the IR in real life, then... <laughs> yeah. <I don't, laughs> Do you have unlimited IR slots? I, I don't know. This yeah, is... like, like I, I had one this year. I, I picked up Shane Baz, who was on the IL, and I put him on the IL because I knew he was coming back. Is that stashing players on the IL? Yeah, on the and IL? like I said, that's why I'm trying to figure out. So I, I have a feeling. I have a I have a thought in my head as to what might have happened. But uh, let's see. Let's, let's, let's slap another man over a shady use of an IR list in the fantasy football league. And that's all they're saying. There's nothing else to it. The only thing is that Fam says, I have no regrets about this. And you know what? Good for him. He's owning up to his actions. Yeah, uh, Jock, Jock Peterson. He knows what he did. And he's like, yeah, I did it. I'm cool. Yeah. 
and Jock has a very slappable face anyway, so it doesn't matter. And it, you know, and if he's the one who's doing this, I, 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 I don't have a way to prove it, but I'm pretty sure it's something as as something enough to piss off a guy like Tommy Pham, who's very uh. Well, I'm not gonna make mention any generalities, but I just I can't. I need more of this. I need to know what it is. I want those screenshots to be shown already, so I can see what's going on. You know, the other thing that's missing, probably what I'm what I'm thinking here is if Mike Trout is talking about going to another platform for this, right? Mm-hmm. That means he's not renewing the league on ESPN. That means Tommy Pham cannot access those rules anymore. I mean, maybe he could on the on the uh, on, <laughs> on the on the desktop, but on the on the phone app, there's no way he can get to it anymore. So I don't know. And they're t- and and they don't even know if Tommy Pham's coming back to this league or not. He says he is. But yeah, then- if I, I thought Pham. No, I thought Pham said he quit. That's- he says that he's open to coming back though. So, <laughs> but maybe they don't want him back. Who knows? Yeah, probably at this point. Stephen oh. Stephen Carey is in the comments and he says, "I think it could be a new saying in fantasy baseball leagues when someone in the league has you disagree with them. I'll be your Tommy Fam, like." <laughs> <laughs> it's a good play on. I'll be your Huckleberry. I'll be your Tommy Fam. Yeah, don't get me started on Stephen Carey, though. Don't get me started on that guy. <laughs> Jesus. No. no, no. Uh, Tommy Pham, I would have won that league. Alex Bregman's uh, team was trash at the beginning of the year. <laughs> Does that remind you of someone? That's uh, the thing I was. I don't even sympathize. <laughs> if you play fantasy uh, sports, how do you not sympathize with that? I, I, don't, I don't. I cannot be the only one who does who, who sees it his way. But I could. The team was trash at the beginning. The total total bases, some people in the total bases champions league need to start watching out for. <laughs> <laughs> No, man, don't no, don't watch out for me. My team is ass too. Why not? Sure. I got Aaron Judge on my team, but some people would say that Anthony Santander is better. I don't know. I don't know those people. Or Ian Happ and Anthony Santander is better than Aaron Judge and Cedric Mullins or whatever. Hey, uh, in my Wharf League, I have Aaron Judge and Bryce Harper, and I'm like in second to last place. And out of all the Earth Leagues, I think I'm like 70 out of 75th. Well, you need to like, pick I, up, it's, it's bad. Go pick up Anthony Santander to save your <laughs> league, man. Same and Brendan and Brendan Rogers to solidify your infield. Why not Ryan Mountcastle? Ryan Mountcastle, and then you pick him up and cut him up uh, a, a week after. Why not? Uh, I uh, so I could have easily finished ten and four and dominated that league. Look, I dropped out in week five and I finished seventh, so I wasn't even setting my life. Oh my god, he's yeah. that guy. Yeah, no! yeah, 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 yeah. That was what I had heard. That's why I'm like Felipe. I don't think you would really agree because he said he just quit like halfway through. Like he he threw just threw his fit, picked up his ball, and went home. I, I I agreed with like half of the things that happened here, but th- I can't get I can't get behind it. That's something like that people in free leagues do not. <laughs> I, but see, that's the thing, right? That like, we talk about this all the time. It doesn't matter if it's a free league or if it's a money league. People are gonna be assholes about their leagues no matter what. Like who they are in who they are in in fantasy is who they are in real life. Some people don't like to pay off their money debts. Some people don't. After if they things don't go their way after like two weeks, they quit. Whether it's a pay league or or a free league. If it's a free league, oh, whatever, it's a free league. If you put in like a hundred dollar, five hundred dollar buy-in, oh, whatever, it's a five hundred dollar buy-in. I'll just, I'll just get some more crypto out of it and, and make it back. <laughs> yeah, how's your cryptocurrency working now, jerks? <laughs> how's your NFTs work looking now? Uh. <laughs> your bullshit pyramid scheme. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Listen to this. I had James Conner on the bench and had Devonte Adams on the bench. Well, my guy. Sounds like a you problem more. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a matter of principle, man. That's what the uh, fam says about the fantasy football league. Well, then your principle should have been keep freaking playing. 
keep playing. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can get down with them on many things, even slapping Jack Peterson. Why not? I cannot get down with a guy who does not build their lineup around. Cause I thought fantasy football was the easiest of all the fantasy sports, right? Oh, you know, I just got to do it for one, uh, one day out of the week and I'm cool. You know, no, that's not true. I, that's fantasy football. No, you play once a week, but it's such a, it's become such a, you have to be really involved if you want to win or even be competitive and, it's just very frustrating. And the, and the worst part, which you're going to love this, Sean, perfect segue. Yeah. <laughs> the worst part is there are no minor leagues to gauge up-and-coming talent. There in is in football, yeah, there is none. Yeah. No, no. I mean, yeah, once the once that the just draft, it, it, once again, it just makes it easier. It makes it a, another one of the easier sports. It's not, though, because one because you just talked about it at the, at the beginning of the show or before the show started uh, because of all the injuries and all the flukiness. Well, okay, uh, easy, easy isn't the right word, but it's one of the more. It, it's one I, of the I most. Know. I guess it's one of the most basic ones, but but, but and random and random. It's more <laughs> luck than it is skill. Yeah, yeah, because the, the seasons are shortened. But no, once the the top uh, running back goes down and the second running back goes down, it's a total crapshoot, and it just seems like I think this is what you guys are alluding to. It just seems like well, whoever's at number one in the depth charts for that week. That's the guy you play. That's the guy you play because he's going to be productive. And it seems like it's the, all these players are interchangeable, right? Whereas in baseball, I mean, maybe we're a little bit biased here, but as in baseball, you lose a guy like Juan Soto for the rest of the year, you're screwed. You're not going to, yeah. well, right now, that's Juan Soto is a bad example right now, but in years past, if you lose Juan Soto, you're screwed. You're not going to get that productivity again unless you you what, shuffle the Ian Haps and the Anthony Santenders of the world to kind of match that production. That is really fun. That no, I just want to mention that because we're not, this isn't a show about one Soto today, but he's batting 218 yeah. with a 217 BABIP. Um, and he still has an expected Woba over 400 and a WRC plus of 127. And he's batting 218. Yeah, uh, that explains why my. Uh, Baseball life league sucks so much ass right now. Juan Soto's <laughs> winning my baseball and Vladimir Guerrero too, not dominating like he was last year. I got all the Latino players and they're not they're not doing anything for me this year. Maybe I should just oh. trade them away. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll take them. Yeah, right, come on. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a Boba Shet and five crisp five dollar bill for Juan Soto. Oh, for real, five dollar bill. I'll take a yeah. five dollar bill. Sure. <laughs> no, you know what? I want Brendan Rodgers, Anthony Santander, and Ian Happ on uh, and, and uh, on the way back here. And I thought it was. I thought it was funny all fantasy season long. Um, Felipe has been talking about how frustrating of a season this has been. And um, in the Mardi Gras league, the points league that we're in, um, <laughs> he, he, he's been talking about how he's like, it never fails. I've built up, I've built up this lineup and it never, I have a good week. It doesn't matter if I have a good week or a bad week. Everybody breaks their scoring record against me and they score like 350, 400 points against me. And, and I, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, yeah, Man, I, I have whatever. an idea what's going on, but I'm like, yeah, ahead. whatever, whatever, Felipe. Sure. Fine. And then I, this is the first week that he and I have played each other. I, my highest, my highest um, point total for a week was 290 points. I now have 335 points going into today. <laughs> I'm beating him by quite a bit. So he was yeah. like, see, this is what happens. <laughs> I, I, I've given up the most points in this league and I've scored the fourth highest. And somehow I still got a negative differential. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't know. It's, it's, it's been happening the last <laughs> couple of years. So maybe I'm, it's, it's the, maybe, well, you guys talk about luck. Maybe I'm just not lucky. Everybody hates Felipe. <laughs> Everybody hates Felipe and they want to, pummel him to death (laughs) (laughs) 
And then somehow my players don't show up either. But yeah, fourth highest uh, scoring output in the league, but has seen the most points allowed. It's ridiculous. It's so stupid. But yeah, let me have uh, Tyler O'Neill and Anthony Santon there. Stephen Brendan Rogers, wonders for the other teams. Nico Horner. Yeah, I, I am here to help. I, I and I'm. <laughs> I think I've been helping too much yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, the the Father's Day. We'll figure. Let's just nice and easy episode. Let's talk about prospects. This is something that we talked about last week, a little bit about how much. Well, maybe you guys can rekindle my memory, but we did bring it up as a, in a little blurb, and I figured oh, this is something that we could talk about in the future. It was like how much stock should we be putting on these prospect lists, prospect rankings, right? Uh, as uh, oh, 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 because it started with Royce Lewis and Casey Mice, two former number one pick overalls. And for the, for the better part of their uh, young careers, they were top five prospects uh, at some point in their life. Now they one guy needs Tommy John surgery. The other guy needs another second knee uh, uh, ACL repair uh, surgery on the same knee. And again, those are freak injuries, but I, even when they were playing, they weren't uh, slam dunking their way into uh, into Major League Baseball glory here, like uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who kind of blew up. And even he's hurt. Even he can't stay healthy. Bad back, bad wrist. Eloy Jimenez, I'm assuming, I'm looking at the prospect rankings for 2019. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he's been kind of up and down, up and down. Remember, people yeah. gave up on him in his, uh, was it was it his rookie year or his second year? I yeah, it, was, it was after the rookie year because that yeah. was how, um, oh, God. But that was kind of how you were able to draft him again when yeah. he wasn't kept after that first year. Yeah. You know what? Let me show the screen so people know what I'm talking about here. Can you guys see my screen? Am I sharing the right screen? Yes. Yes. All right. So that's Vladimir Guerrero, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, he can't stay healthy. <laughs> Victor, Victor Robles, Robles is a bust. <laughs> Royce Lewis is injured. Nick Senzel. This is, mind you guys, this is Major League Baseball's website. This is not some rinky-dink website. This is not a blog. It's not even a fantasy one. Well, LLBs has often all often been considered, you know, probably the worst when it comes to ranking compared to right. baseball right. perspectives, baseball America fan graphs. Right, but that's the one. That's the most popular one. That's the one people cite. That's the one that people use all the time because it's number one. It's easily accessible. I mean, it's a pretty nice interface here. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. It's nice. It's just the analysis is kind of the analysis. I don't know where the analysis comes from. Right. I mean, Nick Senzel number six, and this is again 2019, and and we could do this for. I mean, Forrest Whitley, Kyle Tucker, and a lot of these guys freak injury. I mean, we talk. We make fun of Brendan Rodgers all the time. At one point, Brendan Rodgers was ranked ahead of Bo Bichetti, <laughs> or yeah. and Wender Franco. So. I don't know, man. Uh, and it just makes me wonder, like, because, Sean, you and I have been doing some uh, prospect um, exercises uh, the last couple of years and where we go outside the top 50, where we go outside the top 100, uh, just to look for talent or even unranked players or even players who are just on the bottom of uh, everybody's radar. And and then and mm-hmm. last month we did it by merits. We went and saw the minor league numbers, the minor league leaderboards to see uh, if we could find any diamonds in the rough. And I, and I, like I said last week, I've had more fun doing it this way than doing it this way with the prospect rankings and, and the prospect rates. There you see Kessling Hira at number 20 overall, Dylan C's at 21, Joey Bar 22. So with all that, excuse me, with all that being said, I mean, Sean, I mean, we'll start with you since uh, you, you have a, a unique insight working for a minor league uh, team before and, uh, you know, doing the dynasty leagues as well. <laughs> How much stock should we be putting on these prospect get grades and prospect uh, rankings and all that? I mean, especially coming from like a, a dynasty standpoint, especially in the league that I pay really the most attention to my my 30 team, 40 man. Uh, the goal really should be is to get these guys before they ever make a list. 
Because by the time they're on a list, there are several other owners in this league that check the list regularly. And every now and then one will slip through, like uh, somebody will graduate off the top 100 and they put somebody in and boom, you know, they, they get swiped up. Uh, but with our first year player draft, you know, it's all of the available free agents plus the guys from the recent uh, rule four draft and international signings. So it really is like a lot of like looking at the first round picks and the second round picks. And it, I've always thought it was weird how when it comes to the prospect rankings, you can have guys that were all drafted, you know, in the first round, but it, it always comes to like the pedigree, which sometimes I agree with most of the time. I don't yeah. because it's like, Oh, this guy hails from this state and he did this. So he's better. What? Like, wh what are we doing here? And then you get them into their first major, like their first appearances in the minor leagues. And the guy with the better pedigree has a few rough starts, you know, a few rough outings. And everyone's like, oh, well, he's still, he, he's, this is what we know about him. He, it's only his first five professional appearances, which is true. But then the guy that they're saying he's better than has five great starts and nobody mentions him. And that's always rubbed me the wrong way when it comes to prospects. And so I, I really, I try and get the guys either before they're even on here or the guys who will never make it on here just mm -hmm. because they're not exciting enough. I mean, there, there have been guys like that plenty of times before. There will be them plenty of times in the future. Jeff McNeil. I'll always remember Jeff McNeil. Like he was the same way. Keith Law had a huge interaction on Twitter or something. And uh, he, he got into an argument with Pete Alonzo uh, on Twitter because uh, somebody said, well, Keith Law, what do you think about Jeff McNeil? Oh, he's just a, a quad A guy who's uh, only tapping into power because he's in AAA now. That's it. And Pete Alonzo was like, no, dude, this guy can hit. And Keith Law was like, I'm not going to argue with you. And now we see where Jeff McNeil is. Yeah. And uh, Keith Law still uh, uh, still has a job, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I, I, I'm telling you, Keith Law gets some things like right on the head. But when right. he's wrong, I mean, yes. Christian Pache was like his number one overall prospect or number three. Give yeah. me a freaking break. Yeah, Victor, Robles, Victor Robles was high for him, too. And it's like all of these guys that, oh, the, the whole projectability and what we what they're doing now, they'll do better in a couple of years. That's not always true. You can't just bank on that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so it's becoming like the like the NFL draft where, and, and uh, I think we alluded to that uh, last week. I mean, do we trust the production of a two or three year starter in college, or do we go after the guy with the tool, the physical attributes, who only had one good season, but we're gonna put our our money on him right now because we might be able to develop him even even to a better quarterback. And of course, you know I'm thinking about guys like Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes or Mitchell Trubisky. So it, 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 so that's what we were thinking about. Uh, but I'm, I'm highlighting Chris. I'm sorry. Let me, I'm going too fast here. So, that, so that's what I'm trying to gauge here. Is it, is it going to become like that where we, we should probably start um, trusting more of the minor league numbers or should we just ignore them or not take them too seriously? I'm just trying to find a balance here, Sean and Austin, because it gets really difficult because if you trust the minor league numbers too much, I mean, I guess the, I guess the, the point is not when you go after the minor league numbers and you don't put any context to it, like, for example, oh, this guy's hitting 40 home runs, but he also plays in the Pacific Coast League. Yeah. That kind yeah. of thing. So yeah. You, you, you definitely have context. to take into account the context, but it's one of those you can't just dismiss the numbers. Yeah. Like if a guy's doing good, he's doing good. And you need to at least dig into 
why he's doing good, which is what the minor leagues is all about to me is process. But sometimes you can have bad process and good results. And sometimes you can have good process and meh results. I mean, yeah. Ahmed, Ahmed Rosario was a guy who had bad process and great results was a top three, top five prospect in all of baseball. Right. And he gets the major leagues and he got exposed because he just swung and yeah. he had the bat speed to get away with it in the minors, but not in the majors. So Austin, uh, you, this is the, as far as I'm concerned, this is the first year you're in a keeper league. Uh, who are your minor leaguers in, in that league right now? Uh, in the Mardi Gras league, I yeah. had, um, I had O'Neill Cruz and Nolan Gorman, mm-hmm. uh, Nolan Gorman, Nolan Gorman got called up. So I've now replaced him with Brett Beatty. Mm. Um, so I have, I have those and essentially, um, I'm still trying to gain better knowledge of some of these, um, of some of these guys. And I think I, I made the original mistake, I think of looking at the list and going, okay, this is the highest guy on the list I can find. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick him up. I think a lot of people go that route. Yeah. I think a lot of people go that route, especially at the, uh, when they first start um, seeing um, the, or when they first start paying attention to the minor leaguers. And I think the reason why I did that is because there are so many minor leaguers that you can't possibly like, I, I mean, I guess a better process would be to go through the top 10 for each team and figure out who's done better. Um, in that sense, I think maybe that's a little bit of a better process, but you know, it's difficult to figure, to figure it out because most you're, you, you, most minor leaguers are going to spend two, three, two, three years in the minors. So oh. that two or three years, that could mean a lot in terms of development, um, the injuries, they could get injured and that could really um, screw with how that, how, how well they do in the future. Um, you know, they could play in a different, uh, different league. They could get traded. There's so many different things that could change the trajectory of their career. So I was looking at, uh, the same, the 2019, the top 100 or the top prospects, according to fan graphs, here are some notable players that are below that were rated below 50. Um, Sandy Alcantara was rated 127. Jordan Alvarez was 125. Shane Baz was 115. Um, let's see, uh, Tyler Stevenson at 95. You had uh, Nolan Gorman at 85. Uh, Jared Jared Kalenic was higher than Nolan Gorman. Jared <laughs> Kalenic is 84. Uh, Will Smith of the Dodgers is at 80. Um, Yusei Kikuchi, 74. I say Kikuchi. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Bruzdar Gratterall was 64th. Right. Bruzdar Gratterall was rated higher than Will Smith, but yet Bruzdar Gratterall is still not the closer for the Dodgers. Um, Justice Sheffield, remember when there was a big <laughs> old Justice Sheffield? Yeah, there he is, number 43 um, here in 2019. And yep. then Dylan, Dylan Cease is 58th. Um, you know, and right here, number 48, Pete Alonzo. And I'm sorry, what list is that? I, I missed it the first time. This is fan graphs. Oh, uh, the current one or what year is this? Because there's 2019. Some... Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, same thing. So, you know, the, uh, Pete Alonzo was 48th, and now we see the player that he's, turned, that he's turned into. So I think the process is more following these players and trying to see how well they do because one, one, that, I really, um, one that I really want to 
bring up here, highlight here, and he's in the 2019 standings. I mean, you're looking at, yeah, Vladdy Guerrero, Wander Franco, and Fernando Tatis, those guys have worked out. But if you go a little lower on fan graphs, number 11, Joe Adele, the Angels, right? Joe Adele was said to be the next guy to follow Mike Trout and being a really good, um, not comparable to Mike Trout, but be a really good outfielder and a really good comp to Mike Trout. But as he got higher in the minors, I yeah, kept saying, close. guys, slow down on Joe Adele because yeah. he's not doing well in AAA. You look at his numbers, he's not doing well in AAA. He doesn't have a high batting average. He's striking out quite a bit. But then he got pulled up and everybody was like, yeah, Joe Adele is up. And I'm like, no, yeah. he's not, he's not, not going to do very well. What happened? He fell on his face. And he's, he still has not been able to have a solid role in the major leagues. He keeps bouncing back and forth between AAA and the majors. Basically, they only pull him up when an outfielder gets hurt and they need somebody right. else, right? Um, in 2019, number 19, Christian Pache. You know where he's at now, right? And, and, uh, and really quick, that's someone I wanted, really wanted to highlight here because people were up in, up in arms when, uh, when the Braves gave away four prospects. And it's the Braves. Who cares? They, their, prospect, their prospects are nowhere near uh, of, uh, of high-level marquee because they're, they're, going, they're, they're going for it right now, right? They're, yeah. they're trying to win right, at all costs right now. So they trade, basically traded their number. No, they didn't, basically. They did. They traded away what people thought was the number one and a number two prospects and Christian Pache, Shane Langoliers, and two other guys who I don't remember, but those were the big names and people, were, Oh my God, that is such a stupid trade by the Braves and you're going to get Matt Olson and you better be, you better be able to get him into a long-term extension because then this trade is ass and all this and all that. <laughs> and I'm just looking at this. It's Christian Pache. We don't know what he is. Maybe Shane Langoliers can turn into something, but Christian Pache has yet to prove that he can be anything more than just an athletic player. And you know why the Braves were more than happy to get rid of Christian Pache? Because this is a guy I wanted to talk about. Michael Again, Harris. Michael <laughs> Harris is second. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, uh, if you guys had a chance to listen to that podcast that I sent you guys about him uh, over at The Athletic. And uh, it was a pretty interesting story because he was not just, on, I mean, you talk about under the radar. This guy was like an afterthought. He was supposed to be a pitcher. And every time he'd go out and pitch, he was just awful and, and, and in front of Major League Scouts. And it wasn't until, you know, he, they, they, uh, they had him play a game in center field and, and Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves uh, brass, they saw, oh, wow, look at this guy. He, he has a swagger to him. He, he's catching all the balls going his way. He's not, I mean, this guy has, can cover a lot of field. I mean, this guy's athletic and he has all the intangibles, happy-go-lucky guy and just puts in the hard work and all that. Uh, another story, again, another intangible story, but I, I think I thought it was a pretty cool story about how uh, at, at a prospect showcase in Atlanta, Michael Harris uh, was the only guy who showed up from the local uh, vicinity because this was around homecoming week and a lot of the big name prospects in of that area did not want to go to the prospect showcase because they wanted to go to homecoming instead. Michael Harris showed <laughs> up though, took full advantage of that situation, right? And uh, he put his personal plans for his future goals. And, and it's a great story. And aside from being, I don't know if he's uh, close to being as athletic as Christian Pache, but one thing's for sure is uh, we saw the numbers, Sean, last month. I mean, the guy's a player. That guy has the skills to match the athleticism. And I think that's where a lot of the, these uh, players uh, uh, fail. These Because uh, what these high rankings are, I mean, when we saw when we did the prospects uh, uh, show last month, Sean, as well, the higher ranked guys are usually the bigger guys, the one, the guys with the physical attributes, the guys with the, 
you know, big frames, you know, six three, six four, six five. And then we saw yeah. the guy, and then we saw the guys, and those weren't not 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 because you did this on purpose or whatever. I don't know. It just happened that Sean's guys were higher ranked than my guys because I was just going by production. Remember, minor league production is a little tricky because you don't you gotta put context into it and you gotta and you can't trust it all together either. But you know, we that's how I that's how I found out about Michael Harris because he was doing so well, it was hard to ignore. But we saw the guys who were only uh, we were only depending on production, and those guys are smaller, scrawnier. They don't have uh, the high prospect rates that a lot of these other uh, the higher pro- uh, ranked prospects have. And uh, I think that's part of it as well as the, the eye test. Oh man, this guy, this guy, uh, he's he's six two, six three. He weighs two hundred ten pounds. Wait until he fills up. He's gonna weigh two hundred thirty, and he's gonna just smash balls and uh, hit everything. That, that the was what they always kept saying about Rosario. Was like. Oh, he's never going to walk much, but he could have, you know, huge power, huge power. And they just said he's going to grow into it because he never hit for power in the minors. I mean, and even when he got to AAA in the PCL, he was in Vegas. I mean, known hitters paradise, not much power. And he's shown it at at times in the majors, but it's one of those. Okay, where's the power? You just sit there for five years wondering. Okay, they said it was coming. And it's just like you're waiting on the train. Like, what the hell? And it, it never comes. So it's it's a very it's like again there's no exact science even when there's guy I mean we're talking about people who have done this for all their lives right they're, somebody's in charge of going out there looking at these players looking at the scouting reports and coming up with a grade like let's mm-hmm. go back let's go back to Christian Pache's oh I already took it out of it let's see Pache there he is Christian Pache number thirty seven ranking back in twenty nineteen and someone decided that Christian Pache was worth a 55 hit tool, a 45 power tool, 70 run, which I, I can, I can believe the it, 70 run 80 field. I, I, I'm i okay with Patrick having, but six, it's 60 overall, by the way. Ugh. And, and we're seeing that he doesn't put those numbers. Well, how's he doing in the stats department in Oakland oh, batting out dollar 63. Yeah. How, how did he do in the minors bat at 265 and very underwhelming numbers in 2021. And you can say, well, and that's my other question that I had for you guys. How much of the pandemic, really affect these guys development i mean you see that big gap between 2019 yeah. and 2021 but uh i mean may, maybe it's pandemic based maybe these guys were affected negatively by the pandemic and that's why we're seeing such a, a fall uh such a, a inconsistency from these uh hopeful prospect minor leaguers i mean any thoughts on that yeah i mean i i do think some people got affected more more so than others right um in, in pache if you look at the numbers he has been a little you know, unlucky. Even his expected numbers aren't great, but he's vastly underperforming those uh, like 241 expected batting average compared to those. And you would think with somebody like him uh, with his speed, uh, he would have be able to post a little bit higher BABIP and expected batting average, but not so much. Um, but it, think- it is it, it is a weird thing. And Felipe, I, I did want to ask you one question uh, with Michael Harris. Do you think it's like legit legit because i i saw a, a tweet that made me laugh but it also made me like really think about it was you know michael harris skipped triple a you know he came right yeah. up from double a and in those he debuted on the 28th which was right before they started their win streak um and he's been on the team the entire win streak but in yeah. the in, in that time they faced the marlins diamondbacks rockies a's pirates nationals cubs and somebody said, wow, Michael Harris's uh, first look against AAA pitching is really – he's doing really good. 
And I mean, when you think about it, though, all of those teams, aside from the Marlins, I mean, terrible pitching. Right. I mean, right. Pretty bad. I mean, Diamondbacks have been up and down, but yeah. Rockies, yeah. Yeah, A's, Pirates, Nationals, Cubs. Cubs. They all suck. I, I, I saw the tweet and I was like, yeah, he's doing pretty good against AAA pitching for the first time. And it's one of those when he starts facing like good pitching and the league has more tape on him. Like I, I'm I'm a little skeptical of Michael Harris, but he's a hell of a fielder. He's already posted four outs above average in what, 20 games. So if you extrapolate that out, that's like a stupid, crazy pace right now. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I, I feel like Austin was going to uh, chime in on something. Austin, go ahead. Um. I was going to chime in. I don't remember why. You I lost your chain of thought. Oh, <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. Pandemic. Go ahead. The pandemic. Um, so I think when it comes to the pandemic, I think the farther away we get from the pandemic season, I think that, oh, it's the pandemic affecting these guys is less and less of an excuse. Because especially if these guys are rated as high as they are, yeah, the pandemic might have set them back a little bit. But, you know, we were talking, we were making fun of, oh, the process, oh, the process, whatever. But if you had a, if you have a process yeah, it might be a little bit interrupted by by the pandemic, you know, when the pandemic happened. But once you once it gets back to normal, once we went back to a normal season, you went if you go back to your process, it should be back. Like right. you you shouldn't have this. So I don't know if the pandemic really is a problem anymore. Even now, you know, when we when we talk about the shortened spring training. The shortened spring training was a valid excuse at the beginning of the year, but now everybody should be in full swing. Those short spring training should not be an excuse right. for, for underperformance. It's kind so, of like what Sean was trying to say about Michael Harris facing quote unquote, triple A uh, pitching <laughs> short spring training. Yeah. But now it's we're in June, any spring training, uh, you know, excuse might've gone out the window already. Cause we're, like I said, it's already been two and yeah, two and a half months already. And uh mm-hmm. Yeah, any you, technically April was an extended extended spring training, I guess if you want to look at it that way. I'm pretty sure players don't see it that way. I mean, playing in cold weather doesn't gonna help them matters, but it is what it is. I mean, we always hear this about hitters. Hey, well, watch out for this guy. He'll start heating up when the weather gets better. Well, the weather got better. So, <laughs> where's the production? <laughs> where's the production? I want my wife calls me every day. Where's the production? What about the production? Why isn't the production here now? So. Um, so question, so what was the question about Michael Harris or is, was that the, the what was like, are you skeptical at all? Like, do you think that what he's doing now is, well, oh, is, are yeah. you like, um, it's, I mean, you, you should always be skeptical, right? I mean, we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing Nolan Gorman, who's a, who's a much higher ranked, uh, prospect. And he actually went through the process of, you know, the whole levels of minor leagues. And now he's going through a big time slump. I think he had a home run last night, but I, I just saw his numbers of the last two weeks and he's hit a wall already. So it's going to come, but uh, the one thing that Michael Harris uh, has over a guy like Christian Pache, yeah, he's not as athletic. I mean, he is athletic, but I mean, it's all relative. But he's not as athletic as Christian Pache, but he did have the skills to match. I mean, he does limit the strikeouts in the minors. He does know how to take a walk, which is something that we always look for. He was productive in the minors. He did steal some bases, uh, actually a lot of bases. He stole 27 and 2021. And eleven in twenty twenty two and forty three games. Oh, that this twenty. This is twenty twenty two. So yeah. So I mean, so he already has two stolen bases in twenty games this year. So I want to say maybe him hitting three twenty four isn't real. But if he hits like two seventy, you should be okay with that. Yeah. If he three three thirty five three forty on base percentage, you should be okay with that. Well, can he get to maybe fifteen home runs, fifteen stolen bases? 
that might be a nice little goal for him to reach, but anything above that, I would just be, uh, yeah, that, that, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Like, I, I don't see the 320, uh, you know, 380 on base. I, I see the 270, 1515, maybe 1520, uh, with great defense. Which those numbers, if you get gold glove caliber defense like he's played so far, then that's just gravy, uh, for yeah. the Braves. I mean, they've done. I mean, he's done them a favor. That means Adam Duvall doesn't have to play center field anymore. You don't have to rush Ronald Acuna back to center field anymore. Duvall plays. Oh, no, absolute, left. absolute godsend for them. Oh yeah, I mean, that, that outfield, that outfield defense can still be a little sketchy with Acuna not playing defense because then you were talking about Ozuna and Duvall <laughs> out there and oh. In left field. Yeah, I mean Duvall, but that Duvall is natural. I, I want to say he's a natural left fielder. Ronald Acuna switched to right field because of the knee injury. I'm, I'm supposing. Although I think he was already playing right. No, he was already playing right field uh, last year, wasn't he? Yeah. Okay, never mind. But then Michael Harris patrols. That's where he hurt himself. Right and right field. field. That's right. Chasing a foul ball. Good. So anyway, so yeah. So again, under the radar, I, I didn't know about him until this year. I didn't see him in any prospects list when when Austin and I were working on our spreadsheets. I, I, I don't know about you, Austin, but I do not remember ever seeing a Michael Harris show up on any of these lists. Do I you? I, I don't either. I don't so, he was one hundred percent. Back at the list, yeah. but I don't think Michael Harris was on any of them. Yeah, nope. he, he was one hundred percent being overshadowed by before uh, Pache <laughs> and not even just Pache, but Drew Waters. Drew Waters, yeah, I Waters about him was too. the big hitting outfield prospect. Hey, yeah. Well, we are at the 2022 prospects. See how much better it is. And as you see, Atley Rushman is the consensus number one for a lot of these uh, lists. But in the Fangraphs top 100, Rushman is the guy number one, followed by Bobby, Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez, Spencer Torkelson, and Riley Green, who just got called up. Uh, Austin, let's start with you. Out of those five, who do you think will be the better long-term player? Uh, better long-term player, I'm going to say um, I'm going to say Julio Rodriguez. Um, that would be mine. Uh, yeah, I know he's labeled as high risk, but the, I think the, he's got the one thing. I don't think any of the rest of them have that you can't really coach in that speed. Mm. Um, so I think, I mean, yeah, speed comes. Bobby, with, Bobby Wood's pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. But speed comes with, um, speed does come with, you know, some injury risks. Usually speedsters, mm. they end up, they end up hurting their legs and, um, what they rely on is their speed. And then once they hurt their legs, that's it. But I feel like Julio Rodriguez is starting to come out of his slump a little bit. And he's, um, you know, he's hitting a little more for average hitting for a little more power. He's starting to steal bags. He's starting to become more of a complete um, player. Um, I haven't gotten to pay much attention to Bobby Witt this year, but I feel like Bobby Witt has been, uh, he's up and down. He's very, strange. his defense has kept him on the field. I mean, he actually, he's like a one and a half win player right now on fan graphs. Yeah. And that's his offense is like right at league average, even though he's batting like 220. But the defense, the defense is keeping him on the field, which is kind of a what I like to see from young players. Yeah. The thing that makes me really nervous about Adley Rutschman is he's been ranked in the top and as the top or top five prospect for like three years now. And they, the Orioles should have pulled him up a long time ago, and they didn't. Why? What was the reason? Oh, and because they catchers, have, uh, catchers take one. They do take forever. Catchers do. Oh, but come on. I, I understand have, they take forever. But when you're the number one prospect for three years, what what what's going on? 
Guys, they have Pedro Severino on the team. All right, come on. Was it for three years though? Because we just had 2019s pull up, and it where was he in the 2019 list? Uh, nowhere. I think he got drafted. He got year. drafted in 19, and then so, of course, yeah, you, you got to wait at least like a year or so, even though he's a yeah, college guy. Else. And then you then you have the pandemic. So I understand Rutschman getting delayed a bit. So number okay. two, yeah, it's been yeah, yeah he, you had he the was number two and twenty, yeah. But he was gonna take forever too, uh, like you said, he's a catcher. Catchers do tend to. Uh, you have to wait a little longer for those guys. I mean, at least uh, he's not a, a, a prep catcher. I mean, Tyler Stevenson was a prep catcher. And how long did we wait for him? Seven uh, years? Six, it, seven it, years? It felt like six or seven years. Wow. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me see. What, let's see the stats here. Yeah, 2019, 2021, 2022. So, yeah, he got his three years in. Uh, but, yeah, I think the pandemic uh, was more of a uh, – what do you call it? progress killer for him than anything? So hey, we're still using that as an excuse, aren't we? The pandemic <laughs> thing. Uh, so Adley Rushman, the the one thing that we got to be worried about is catching prospects are a total complete crapshoot. But we're seeing some good ones right now, and MJ Melendez, who um, I, I don't want to say he came out of nowhere, but I don't. He mean, I, he I he was up and down. He had a lot of yeah. hype, and then he had a couple of bad years where he was like. A 215, 220 header with 30% strikeout. Both him and Prado had really bad years in like 19, I believe. And then they kind of they came back in 21 and had great years. And there he is. Uh, he's uh, you could see him on the first page in the Fangraphs top 50 right there. MJ Melendez. So, yeah, 24. Oh wow. So there you go. There's so there's some hope. Uh, Bobby Witt mentioned uh, as well. Yeah, he's been up and down. He's shown some strides the last couple of weeks, but we've seen him show great strides in short spurts and he just uh, in terms of offense uh that's what i was trying to say there so we're, the jury's still out but i mean he was supposed to be a slam dunk player and he's been anything but slam dunk no. but he is bringing hope to the royals as i mean you can't go anywhere in kansas city without them being very giddy about bobby Witt jr go ahead uh, i thought sean was gonna say oh something. no no uh so i mean but other than that francisco alvarez he's still in the works he's in only in double a o'neill cruz uh it looks like their pirates had just been waiting for the clock to start to stop ticking or whatever. He, he was also hurt. Oh, was I? Did not, I wasn't aware Cruz. of that. Yeah, he was for he a was little hurt. bit, but yeah. It, well, the, they actually their head of player development came out, and honestly, it would have been better if he just doesn't say anything at all. But they're <laughs> like, we really want to make sure that when we pull Cruz up, you know, he's prepared for whatever situations we might put him into. Um, he said, we've been working on his defense and adding a little versatility. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the defense, I don't even mind him saying. No, uh, defense it's... and versatility. And then he goes and pinch hitting. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. He okay. said pinch hitting. And I'm like, what? Listen, man, we heard the <laughs> same song and dance with Jared Klenick last year as well. This, they, it, they basically just copy and paste whatever the other teams say about their Minor league pro- they're, they're oh, super rich minor when, league prospects. When he said the he, we want to make sure he's prepared to pinch hit. That's a new one though. What? <laughs> the, the other thing that gets me is they they said that they want to they want to try him out in the outfield down in the minors and they've put him in they put him in the outfield I think two games. I think he's played left field in two games and he's played shortstop the rest of the time. But my in my, in my mind it's like why are you trying to put him in the outfit? You're the Pirates. You suck. Just put him in. A, just put him in wherever the hell he put. He, he can put him in. Well, there is. I will get not to defend the Pirates, but here from a, a philosophical philosophical standpoint, 
He's six seven. Yeah, him at shortstop is not gonna. It, it I mean, could it could. be it could be very good or very bad. I mean, I mean we've I, seen tall shortstops before. I mean, it's a. I'm not dismissing it, but it may not be a bad idea to give him some position versatility. That is the way the game's going anyway. You want to see, especially at shortstops, you want to see shortstops be able to uh, play multiple positions, uh, as we've seen with a guy like Bobby Witt. He was a shortstop, and now he's been playing third base uh, as well. Yeah, and um, and Jazz Chisholm, you know, that was supposed <clears throat> to be his calling card in the minors was his, you know, power and defense and speed. And then he gets called up and he's now permanently at second base because of how, you know, poor his ratings were at shortstop. Uh, uh, by the way, the joke uh, that I was trying to make about the uh, the Orioles not bringing up athlete Rushman. Uh, yeah, they have Pedro Severino and Chance Cisco. <laughs> you do not bring them up because those two players exist on your team. Come on, you guys. You should know better. <laughs> Chan Cisco, everybody. Oh my God. <laughs> Who was on the 2021 Orioles? I'm, I'm, I'm a, oh. a rabbit hole here. Wow. It's Pedro Severino had a worse year in 2021 than he did in 2020. <laughs> and who's their backup catcher? Chan Cisco again. Okay. So th- those were like, oh, Austin wins as well. So, oh, you have three catchers going for you. And that, Adley, this is why you can't play Adley Rushman. You got three catchers on the big league yeah. roster already. Come on, you guys. Have some sympathy. No, it's bad. It's pretty bad. But I mean, that, that, we we know we know that there's going to be a waiting period in Major League Baseball for these guys who get drafted number one overall, number two overall, whatever, whatever. Um, you're not going to see them anytime soon. So that, and that's a different discussion. I think Austin, you and I had that discussion already uh, about how it's not like the NBA where you're seeing the top guys get drafted and you immediately see dividends from right. day one almost. Yeah. So. I, I think that's the most frustrating thing about dynasty and baseball compared to other sports as well is it but it's also the more rewarding thing because you really do get invested in these guys and I, i've recently seen you know he's having a career year gunner henderson a local guy drafted in the first round back in 2019 i think he was in the the rutschman draft and i picked him up in the 30 team first year player draft and either that same offseason or the next offseason i think it was the next one I ended up cutting him just because of roster crunch. And now Gunnar Henderson's absolutely, he's halved his strikeout rate at a higher level. He's, you know, skyrocketing up prospect rankings. And um, it was one of those, like, I believed in him, even though he was like one of the later first round guys. Right. And he sat on the the waiver wire, you know, he nobody picked him up because uh, he was, you know, not great, but he was an 18 year old prep, you know, prep shortstop. And now he does this and I'm like, God. If only I had just held on to him, you know, if only I had believed more. And uh, I, I sent a, a token offer to the guy who has him now. And he said, no, nah, I'm not. <laughs> no. I'm not trading him. <laughs> and I was like, I, I had to try. So I have a very simplistic way of seeing these things. Right. So it's uh, it's it, I just envision a line. Right. It's not the it's not the most scientific way of thinking, it, but this kind of helps you make sense of things. So you got your athletic guys on one side and you got your highly skilled level guys on one on the other side. So for every, I don't know, who's a very, a Byron Buxton, I guess, Byron Buxton. For every Byron Buxton on this side, you get a Ben Zobers on that side. And the goal is to kind of somehow mesh these two entities together or these two qualities together to get the Mike Trouts, right? Yeah. You can either go a little bit over here or a little bit over there. You can get a Bryce Harper on the left side or on the more skill side and athletic side. Or you can get the uh, I don't know who's who would be above Mike Trout in terms of athleticism, but not as skilled. Oh, uh, Adam Jones, I guess. I, mean, I don't want to use an old example, but I, I I think Byron Buxton would be like the one in terms of just like pure athleticism. Like he I, he's one of the few I'd put above Trout, yeah. I guess. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. So I but guess even so. like peak Trout, like who who who's more athletic? Like 
Ah, uh, man, that's a good question. But yeah, I think Byron Buxton being on the on the extreme athletic side, I guess you can now put him more to the left side and put him towards more closer to the middle, maybe to the right of Mike Trout in terms of athleticism yeah. and skill. So now we got to think of what well, Christian Pache then uh, is the extreme athletic guy. Really? I mean, he plays yeah. for Oakland and he's very athletic. It's just a match made in heaven, but it's still no skill. Victor Robles. <laughs> oh, Victor Robles, too. That's another good example. Go back so, <laughs> on this side, all right? And for pitchers, Sean, as you know, and we listen to Eno Sarris all the time, stuff versus craft and command, right? Oh, did you see his article on Cindergard? this no, week? No, what happened? Oh, no, it, was, it was so good. It was so good. It was very, you know, uh, what's the, not vindicated. Yeah, I guess vindicated? No. That's the word. No, I'm having a break to, here. To, uh, was he trying to explain all his struggles and why well, he, 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 he was talking about, you know, uh, Syndergaard's fastball isn't back yet, and it probably won't come back this year. He said, but that's a good thing. He's a th- he's a pitcher, not a thrower. Okay. And that was the thing for years. So many Mets fans, especially his last two years where he wasn't, you know, the 2016 Noah Syndergaard, but he was still a top 12, 15 pitcher in baseball. Right. And they're like, oh, he's a thrower. He's not a pitcher. And I'm like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Like, <laughs> he has four plus pitches. He doesn't even throw his fifth, which is plus the curveball, which he's throwing more now. Right. But it's like, and he has great command. He he walked, like, I think less than 5% of batters as a Met. It was like yeah. 4.8 or 5.2, something like that. Oh, and, every, crazy, yeah. and everyone would just be like, oh, he throws 100 miles an hour. He's, he's a thrower. He has he doesn't have command. He paints the corners. Like, he it pitches to contact. And, you know, Sarah's wrote an entire article about how he's still doing that just like he did in the past. And that's why he's somehow he's still effective this year, even without the velocity. And I was like, thank you, God. And all these I posted in the Mets uh, group and they're like, no, he's, he's just a thrower. And, you know, that's why he sucks because he can't throw hard anymore. And I'm like, I, I, I give up. I, I freaking give up. Uh- yeah, the, the results aren't there, but I don't know. Maybe next year, Syndergaard might turn it around, but I, I don't want anything to do with him this hey, year. Hey, 112 ERA plus so far. Oh, wow. Look at yeah. that. Yeah, well. He's it, had good starts. There's yeah, just been, he's had two terrible starts, yeah, and he's had, everything yeah, else has been good, and the strikeouts aren't you know great. Right? Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of people who had high strikeout years in the past whose numbers in strikeouts this year are down by, like, two strikeouts per inning, Okay, or it, it's a weird thing. Like I said, it's a work in progress. Maybe next yeah. year uh, as a very low buy candidate. But getting back to the whole graph thing that I was trying to do here, uh, stuff versus craft. Uh, so craft would be Kyle Hendricks, and stuff would be give me a player who has electric oh. stuff on the. But that's all he has is just electric stuff. Uh, starting pref- Hunter Green. Pref- oh, okay, Hunter Green. Why not? Yeah. Preferably starting pitcher. Good. And so somewhere in the middle is your big guys, right? The the big names like Walker Bueller when he's at his peak, or uh, Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa, yeah, or and then Kevin Gossman. What would you put on? Maybe to the left of that. Or I, I, I'd say he used to be on that side, and when he was more like electric, he was not as good. And then he shifted this way <laughs> to the craft. Yeah, yeah, and he, I mean, he developed that splitter. He started throwing it more. He realized he couldn't blow his fastball by everybody. I, I, I think that's a good. I feel like there's more of those guys that go from super athletic across, yeah. and they 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 get better. Rather than the guys, because you don't really just gain athleticism as you get older. No, you don't. Um, I mean, so you, it, yeah. it really is. It's the people that I, I don't know. It's an interesting. Yeah, I like this debate. This is fun. That, <laughs> yeah. that happens a lot with with uh, pitchers. I would say uh, peak uh, Clayton Kershaw 
was the same way. He had stuff, but he knew how to throw it. Um, I, I think he just debuted right here in the middle. Like he, he was gone. Oh, he was perfect for, right from the beginning. To begin with. <laughs> yeah. wow. um, I mean, he, he had control problems. But DC yeah. Sabathia was definitely a thrower at the beginning of his career, and then he figured out how to how to how to pitch. And he, yeah, and he became <laughs> he became a better pitcher for it. And then he had to rely on that as he got on the Yankees, and he got older because he could throw as hard. So, but as you could tell, I mean, we're talking about the athletic guys trying to be more balanced. We're talking about the guys with the great stuff trying to be more balanced. And I guess that ultimately is the reason why the guys with the great stuff and the great athleticism get you know get the eyeballs on them because. If they can just hone in on those skills and make them go more towards the middle and become baseball players, I can see why those guys get a lot of play. Because, like, I think Sean made it. That's a great point by you, Sean. Is you're not gonna these guys on the skill side of things, the to the talent side of things only. They're not gonna get any more athletic. I mean, they, you can yeah. work on some things. You can work on uh, uh, foot speed. You can work on uh, bat speed. You can work on all types of these things. You, but you can't get. I mean, you can, I guess you can get stronger. You can. Uh, we. Yeah. Well, when I, when, when I say get stronger, the first thing that popped in my head, well, Brett Boone, like, okay, maybe that's not a great example. <laughs> Barry Bonds. <laughs> well, no, that's a, well, hold on, now, come on. But, but yeah, Brett Boone's, maybe that's not a great example, but maybe, maybe you could, maybe you kick it a little bit bulkier and that will help you uh, uh, extend the ball by a few more feet, which may be all the difference to hit more home runs and whatever. Uh, or, or you can change your approach to uh, get better results that you know, translate into uh, more physical attributes, but you're right. You're, you're very, you have limited up. I, mean, I guess that's why they call it upside, right? Because yeah. it's a safe floor, limited upside. So the Ben Zorbis of the world will stay more closer to the extreme left side of the chart on the skill set. Same thing with the crafty guys, uh, you know, with uh, Kyle Hendricks and maybe Adam Wainwright. But remember, Adam Wainwright was, had, I, I think he had electric stuff when he first started out. Yeah. And then as the, I mean, that's just normal age and tear and wear, wear and tear. And that's, he's just been going to the left side and become a, a, a command artist, so to speak, uh, who was going to talk right now. I heard a, I heard a noise. I, I was going to mention in, you know, I mentioned him in the chat about a guy that I wanted to talk about in this episode as a guy who's not in any top 100. Uh, he's played for uh, two different systems now, originally in Kansas city. And he's having like the stupidest minor league year. I've seen in a while, and that's Estuary Ruiz, who was a second baseman originally, converted to center field now with the Padres. And last year in 2021, he spent all of it at double A, played 84 games, batted 249, 328, 411, you know, whatever. Uh, and his calling card, you know, going back to his time in Kansas City, which should give it away, has been speed. Uh, in the minors so far, he's stolen 204 bases in 466 games. Uh, so that's that, that's the stolen base every other game. And this year already, he's played in 59 games between AA and AAA, and he's stolen 46 bases in 59 games, and he's been caught eight times. He has a 39-50 to 50 walk to strike out and 364-49-646. Uh, that's a 1,135 OPS. It, it's insane. And this guy kind of came out of nowhere. Like, he's had a couple of good average – Four average hitting seasons and even, you know, slugging back in his time in Kansas City. But he was always more of the the tiny guy who hits the ball and runs fast, gets triples. I mean, he had 10 triples in 2017 um, when he had a 602 slug. He only had four home runs that year, but he had 20 doubles, 10 triples. And would, you say he's, would you say he's comparable to minor league uh, Billy Hamilton with more power? I, I think he's a... 
he's hitting more. He never, I mean, Billy Hamilton had a, a lot of seasons where he walked a bunch, didn't he, in the minors? Uh, this yeah, year, was, he would have a high. Uh, yeah, this year is the percentage. first year where Ruiz has really walked, you know, comparable to his strikeouts. Last year in 2019, he only walked 26 times to 101 strikeouts, uh, or not last year, in 2019. Um, and then last year, it was 28 walks to 73 strikeouts. So he walked about the same, struck out less. And then this year, I mean, it's an insane plate discipline thing to see. And of course, the more he gets on base, we have a 490 on base with his speed. Of course, you're going to steal, you know, a crazy amount of bases. But here's a guy who is super, super athletic. And now it seems like he's coming back towards the middle. And as he comes back towards the middle, he becomes a more well-rounded ball player. And of course, He's in the P- PCL now, and so he's hit four home runs in his first 10 games. He had nine home runs in the Texas League, which, depending on where you are in the Texas League, is either super batter-friendly or not batter-friendly at all. And I can't remember if San Antonio is, but he had nine home runs there. So it's a really interesting uh, – I don't know. I-, I picked him up. He was – nobody in my 30-team league had him towards the beginning of the year. I think Andrew had picked him up in April and then dropped him a few days later, and I picked him up. And this guy is really could be a fantasy monster. Mm. But have you heard? Most people haven't heard of him. They, they have no real clue outside of, you know, Padres fans who have been watching this. And the, I, I kind of searched him on Twitter and everyone's like, oh, call up Ruiz, call up Ruiz, call up Ruiz. And I'm like, yeah. OK, what, I, what's I, his first name again? I'm sorry. Estuary. E-S-T. Estuary. Yeah. Like the, the water thing. Oh, um, I don't think it's spelled the exact same way. But uh, E-S-T-E-U-R-Y. I might be uh, Estu. Yeah. Estu- but uh yeah it's uh, like one of those very yeah. interesting prospect things where it's like hey this guy's always run fast but doesn't really hit enough and then he starts hitting enough and you're like well what if it's and then you go and i look at his you know batted ball profile and it, it's more line drives yeah. i mean it's the highest line drive rate of his career by far right uh for a speed guy in double a when he started off this great year it was the lowest ground ball rate of his uh, minor league career. And you would think a guy with speed, you want to put the ball in the ground, but no. I, and this is where the power might be coming from. So. Well, yeah. 70 graded speed over at Fangraphs, 35 plus future value. He's only, oh, he's already 23 years old though. So, uh, but you know, late bloomers do exist. Uh, Billy Hamilton. I want to get back to Billy Hamilton really quick. I just want to shout out the numbers here. Uh, a ball 2011, uh, 340 on base percentage, stole 103 stolen oh. bases. <laughs> But that was the thing that got me excited about a guy like Billy Hamilton. Well, not only is he fast and he steals a lot of bases, but he gets on base. 12.8. Yeah, his walk rates were high. And I remember I, I, we've talked about him on a prior episode, and I was shocked yeah. to see that he had some years where he was, you know, like 9, 10, 11% walk rate. Yeah, he was 8.5 in 2011. 2012, 104 stolen bases, 12.8 walk rate, 413 on base percentage. Double A. 51 stolen bases, uh, 16.9% walk rate, 406 on base percentage. And then in 2013, he gets a triple A, plays 123 games, 75 stolen bases, but only a 6.9% walk rate and a 308 on base percentage before the Reds say, you know what, he's ready. And then, of course, he struggled with He actually had a good start to the Reds, but it was all downhill after that. He he was supposed to be the rookie of the year. He was the clear-cut rookie of the year favorite in 2014 until late May. And then some guy, Jake McGrom, was promoted. Well, even then, Billy Hamilton just struggled that year, like mightily. He just... Could not replicate. And he, hey, was he, was almost, he was almost a three-win player that year. 
what in 2014 for in 2014 defense? Yeah, yeah defense center field, center field has get a lot of uh, bricks man as we've six, seen six home runs 56 stolen bases he probably could have won a rookie of the year just because that class was so weak like mm-hmm. with with just posting like that many stolen bases they probably would have given it to him <laughs> so i guess he's always had respectable walk rates but nothing I don't know, nothing close to matching his production in the minor league. So yeah. I want to finish the show with this. We'll start with Austin. What? So what do we do here? What What do we gain from um, talking about this in terms of uh, uh, eyeballing uh, minor leaguers for your favorite teams, for Major League Baseball as a general, and most importantly for us competitors here for fantasy leagues? I mean, should we still trust the prospect list? Uh, should we trust the numbers more, the, the, the production? What's your takeaway from this show here, Austin? I think the takeaway from from uh, this show and for me in general this year is to not rely as much on the list because the list is not necessarily an end-all be-all when it comes to who is going to produce. It could be a good indicator as to in, in, in keeper leagues or dynasty leagues as to who you should, um, who you might want to pick up uh, in terms of um, putting them in the minors in, in the – idea of replacing them or you know um, using them as a replacement for someone in um in your actual lineup but i think the takeaway is the the list should not be an end-all be-all when it uh, when you're evaluating players you should take the time look at you know every team's mind you know not all the minor leaguers because we all we can't do that i don't i don't do this for a living so i can't i can't do that right right but but you know take a look at you know don't just take a look at your favorite team take a look at everybody you know everybody's team and who's producing who's actually producing in the minor leagues and who's not and take a look at some of the numbers and just see if you see any holes or if it's if it's a type of player that you like um, so I think there's a lot more factors that go into it than just, oh, he's ranked number 15 on this list. I'm going to yeah. pick him up. Yeah. And that was a big thing when you Darvish got traded to the Padres was like, oh, the Cubs got fleeced. They, they got a bunch of no-name prospects. They're not even. Oh, ranked. I hate that. I, I hate that. I hate everybody that. trashed that. I remember my guy Vince uh, from Dong City went on and just completely trashed it. Everybody trashed it. But one guy did not trash it. Uh, and you gotta Sean help me with the name. It's uh, the guy from Fangraphs, uh, the guy who basically is in charge of the whole minor league thing. Oh, uh, Long and Hands, or yeah, Aaron, yeah, Aaron, because he's Long he, I, I say, I think he's with like ESPN now. He might still do some stuff with Fangraphs, okay. but I, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, so they're all moving on, or maybe McDaniel, or maybe McDaniel's is the one that went to ESPN and Long and Hands oh, stayed. Okay. Well, Longer Hands, uh, went on the uh, Ben Lindbergh podcast, uh, the Effectively Wild podcast, and he actually loved the trade for the Cubs. Uh, got four teenagers back. They're not ranked. They're ranked now. I can tell you that much, but they weren't ranked at that moment, but that's okay. I mean, they're still developing. They're only teenagers. Just wait and see approach, but they do have some decent tools. They do have some production value to them. So I think the Cubs made out pretty well. Call things consider that was their thing. And uh, now they, those four guys might, you might see them in the next couple of years. We'll see that nothing's guaranteed, but just because my point is just because they're not ranked, or they were not ranked on the Padres system, which is a very deep system, by the way. They weren't ranked in the, at that time, I should say. It doesn't mean it's it's all over. It doesn't mean that these guys are not going to amount to anything. Yeah, maybe they have limited upside, or maybe they don't. Maybe a couple of those guys, I forgot their names, uh, 
who exactly Owen, had Owen the high Casey upside. Specifically, who had the high upside on those, those oh. two players in particular who had the high upside, and I can't remember. Uh, well, I'll tell you, you Darvish was traded with Victor Carantini to the Padres for yeah. Zach Davies, yeah. Is, Ismail Mena, mm-hmm. Reginald Pres, Presadio. Presadio, I think he had the high upside there. Yeah. And Jason Santana and Owen Casey. I think Jason Santana was the other guy with the high uh, uh, prospect pedigree upside, whatever you want to call it. So don't, don't get discouraged. Just and, and and before I get to you, Sean, I just wanted to tell that little anecdote because, like I said, I think that's part of the point. Like, oh man, people just put so much stock on these rankings. It's it's <laughs> if you're not, I mean, it's the, I mean, I mean, I'll put it this way: when Fernando Tatis got traded to the Padres for James Shields. Tatis was not a ranked prospect for the no, White Sox at that he, point. No, he was six to what seventeen. That was what six to what seven? Uh, uh, yeah, he, I think, I, I think he would have been. Yeah, I know, but he was like seventeen, I think. His age. Yeah. Oh, his, his age. yes, 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 yes. He was seventeen years old at that time. Yeah, I mean, he. And th- those are the prospects I avoid like the plague, and uh, that is probably my flaw, and I should work on it. But oh my god, when people are drafting like. The the J two guys, I, I I can't do it. I can't do it. It's like I'll draft a prep right handed pitcher with upside before I get the the seventeen year old prospect who's tearing up the the showcases in the Dominican. Yeah, because I got I have to wait till they get stateside because yeah. that's like when it really starts to click for me. It's like okay, they're they're holding their own, but oh my god, the seventeen year olds that haven't even played like a professional game yet, no. Yeah, can't about, I can't do it. <laughs> you talk about athletic freaks, man. The, yeah, you. you the, the, I don't know. I don't want to, you know, shortchange uh, uh, the Latino players that play on the islands and stuff. But, but th- there's some freakish athletes. Oh yeah, there. I mean uh, Dominguez, Jason Dominguez. But I, I, like I said, I wasn't going to touch him. I, I knew I was not going to be a guy that would trade for him, draft him, whatever. Right. Just because I, I, I want something a little bit more safe. <laughs> yeah. So with all that being said, uh, Sean, what's your takeaway from this episode? What's your takeaway about this whole landscape of my prospects and stuff? Like that? I really liked how, you know, how you kind of put it with the, you got the athletic and then you got the skilled yeah. and it's a matter of how they can develop towards the middle rather than just stay in their corner. Cause if you stay in your corner, yeah, you're going to be Victor Robles, Christian Pache. If you stay in your corner on the other side, you're going to be uh, Chase Peterson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is honestly a really good comp, even though he's an athletic player. He wasn't. A, yeah. I mean, he, he was eight stolen, stolen base. base guy. Yeah, yeah. But even then yeah. he was just a, a sound utility player. Keith Hernandez was gushing over him when the Mets were playing the Brewers. He was like, Chase Peterson is a, a real good little utility player. He's and then he said, he, he said, I shouldn't call him little. I think he's bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like, yeah, I mean, you, you have the like the upside of, you know, a full ability guy over a full. I mean, if you're a full ability guy, you're probably going to make the majors and stick around. You're going to be Jace Peterson, you know, yeah. but uh, it, it's a really it, it's about how those guys can kind of meet towards the middle and finding those guys that really aren't off to one or one side or the other. So, yeah, just trying to look for a balance. But, and then how do you do it, though? I mean, do you, for that, we would have to keep going by these lists, or do we just – I think it's you have to find maybe some guys that are on the list, some guys that aren't on the list, mm-hmm. or at least use the guys that are ranked high on these lists and go and look to see the teams they're playing, see what league they're playing, see their own teammates, and yeah. see if there's any of one of their teammates is having a great year but they're not really getting talked about. Well, you have to think these guys, they're facing the same pitchers. They're facing the same, playing in the same stadiums. 
Like, so the context for these guys should be pretty equally similar. But if this guy's highly ranked and the other one isn't, maybe I should look at the guy that isn't as highly ranked, but is having just as good a year. Mm. Uh, that that happened a lot on the when I you know worked for the biscuits. You know, Bruhan came up, but it was like Taylor Walls looked really good. And yeah, I mean, yeah. he, he, me and it, it was just a very weird because there were a lot of top prospects on the team, Josh Lowe. Yeah. And but then you you look and I'm like, I see Dalton Kelly, and I'm like, dang, Dalton <laughs> Kelly's kind of good. But it was it, it was just a really interesting thing. So you got to use them both. Don't use the list just to be like, oh, I want the the highest guy on this list. I can no. Uh, use it to like maybe compare with guys that aren't on the list. Yeah, yeah. Your story kind of reminded me of how NBA pros- uh, NBA scouts would go to Kansas and uh, Lawrence, Kansas, uh, and watch the Jayhawks play because they want to see how good Andrew Wiggins is. And then coming out of that, uh, out of those games and those practices, coming blown away by Joel Embiid. So that's kind of, uh, you never know, right? You never yeah. know who you're going to see. Uh, really quick, since I asked Austin, I might as well ask you, just give me a quick answer. Out of the top five players on this list that you see here, uh, Rushman, Witt, Rodriguez, Torkelson, or Riley Green, who's going to have the better, who's going to be the better player long-term? Yeah, I know you want to say Francisco Alvarez, but that I didn't ask that. I, I don't want to say Alvarez. I think that's a really interesting Austin. No, I already said Rodriguez. So it's oh, oh, I, I didn't even hear him say Rodriguez. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, that's why I, I think I forgot to ask you. This okay, question. so you said Torkelson, Witt, and Green. Uh, Rushman, Witt, Rodriguez, Torkelson, Green. Oh, those are the top five Fangraphs guys right there. Oh God, that's tough. I my my gut wants to say Torkelson, but I really want to go Green uh, because, well, one, he's a lefty. <laughs> I, I, I had a feeling, but you got to pick one. Hurry up. Yeah, I'm, go, I'm, go, I'm going Riley Green. Riley Green. All right. Well, he got called up whether yep. yesterday or today. He got his first major league hit yesterday. Oh, okay. Oh, he right. did. Okay. L- little bloop single. Oh. <laughs> That's how all the greats start. Yeah, with a little Texas leaguer out the middle. Right there you show. go. <laughs> Mike, Mike Trout's first hit didn't go all of 15 feet. Hey. Really? I, I've never I've never seen what his first career hit was. His I'm first gonna... hit was it was off the end of the bat, a little blunt <laughs> single. And I'm sure he had like posted a stupid good sprint time to first base. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he oh. did. I, I watched it live. I was like, really? That is how he's going to start. His... <laughs> he didn't go all of 15 feet. Like, come on. <sighs> but... well, well, to wrap this up, uh, just to put my final thoughts in here, I think, I've, like I've been telling all along, I think I've had more fun looking for minor league players, uh, looking at their statistics and making uh, some context, uh, adding some context to them and making some decisions that way than just looking at the – because, I mean, we've seen the top ten, uh, and a lot of these guys are struggling in the majors right now or they're struggling at AAA uh, or they're injured or they're not playing up to par. So – I don't know. I think it's uh, if for especially from a fantasy perspective. I think it's just more fun to just go on fan graphs and start filtering players and come up with the names. And yeah, it's fun to look at their prospect rates too to kind of help you gauge. It tell it does tell a story. It is a kind of a I do consider it like a narrative base of those prospect rates. Someone like I said, someone took the time to uh, put a number on their abilities, on their hit tool, their power tool, their fielding, and their uh, their arm and their future value and all that. So it's so it's it's interesting, but it's just very. It's not an exact science. It's very frustrating. So I guess, yeah, maybe we should do, we as baseball fans in general, whether you play fantasy baseball or not, we should do better uh, in trying to come up with uh, um, 
with some of these evaluations, because as you guys can see, we cannot just solely trust and, uh, and just lean heavily on these rankings. I mean, I, I think fans for a long, they're going to keep doing it because it's just the easiest way to do it. Oh, well, this guy's a number two prospect and that guy's like the number 11 prospect. So therefore, number two is better than number 11. You know, the Michael Jordan logic, where I say check, no. <laughs> five beats two all the time. So uh, that, that was the, that was his quote when he was trying to figure out. They asked, Rush, I think Amar Rashad asked him, Michael, who do you think is the better player, Kobe Bryant or LeBron James? And Jordan, you know, was trying to be apolitical about it. But at the end, it's like, well, last I checked, five beats two all the time. with Five championships for uh, Bryant, two for LeBron. Therefore, team accomplishments are always better than individual accomplishments when comparing individuals, right? But that's another story for another time. Uh, uh, Sean, were you going to say something? Are you going to add something there? You got it. Okay. For Sean, that's Austin. I am Felipe. Happy Father's Day to everybody. We will see you all next week. Who's his? Adios.